Welcome to PubTech in Review, led by Vidizoo, a video monetization platform focused on creating high-end video products for digital publishers. This podcast is dedicated to building a community and uncovering the subjects that matter most to digital publishers. Join us as we break down and explore industry policy, expert opinions, monetization technologies, and programmatic industry's future. PubTech in Review. Hey there, AdTech enthusiasts. Get ready to tune into a brand new episode of PopTech in Review, the electrifying podcast that plunges into the heart of the AdTech universe. We are here to unpack the latest and greatest, giving you the insider scoop on everything shaking up the world of AdTech for buyers and sellers. Hold on to your seats because we are about to rewind six months and check out the aftermath of the IAB Tech Lab's game-changing reclassification of in-stream video. It's going to be a wild one and I can't wait to share my insights with you. We are also super excited to have Hilary Slattery, the powerhouse programmatic and product director at IAB Tech Lab, joining us later to spill the beans on the seismic shift and tease us with what's on the horizon. To kick things off, let's flash back to August 2022, when the ad world was buzzing with a major update to the ad format guidelines. The big news? In-stream videos now need to blast sound from the get-go. Why? Because if users aren't rushing to your page to binge watch like they do on Hulu or YouTube, chances are they're not really vibing with your ads. So what does this mean for advertisers and publishers? We saw a massive reshuffle with about 90% of what used to be in-stream video now labeled as outstream. Only a sliver, that's less than 10% of the publishing landscape could still claim their video units as in-stream. It was a head spinner for sure. Fast forward to March 2023 and the IAB Tech Lab rolled out a fresh set of guidelines that redefined the ad game. In-stream video players now have to be set to sound on by default, and there's this cool new criterion called explicit demonstrated intent to watch the video to qualify for in-stream status. But wait, there's more. A shiny new field called PLCMT is joining the party, playing nice with the old placement field during the transition period, but probably set to be phased out a little later. Now what about those outstream placements? Well, for those, we've got new categories, accompanying content and standalone video. Oh, and let's not forget about the full-screen takeover interstitial ads, whether they're on the web or in-app. On the buying side, all that was left to do is embrace the new PLCMT values to sync with the changes on the selling side. But hey, not everyone was on the same page yet. Our recent survey shows a mixed bag of familiarity with the changes among sellers, and for some, even performance dips. I want to be fair and say that we are seeing a more stable environment now, And this entire update is a massive leap towards clarity and transparency. So well done, everyone. PubTech in Review, led by Vidizu. And now the moment everyone's been waiting for, Hilary from the IAB Tech Lab is here with me to share her wisdom. So let's dive right in. Hilary, my first question is, how do you perceive the industry's adoption of the newly implemented classification standards? Uh, I actually am kind of over the moon about it. So typically when a new or updated tech lab standard is released, it takes 12 to 18 months to actually see, you know, greater than 10% adoption. So I think there was an ad exchanger article that came out at the end of last summer that said, 
they're seeing over 30%. And I imagine that's even greater now in January of 24. Uh, and, and I think it's, you know, that's fantastic that so many publishers have moved to the new PLCMT attribute. I agree with you. It's really great to see the, you know, the vast majority of uh, publishers implementing the new, the new standards. I think you like the next one. Were there any measures that the IAB Tech Lab took to maintain stability in the ecosystem following the updates? Oh, I love this question so much. So there was a trade article that came out uh, right after the classifications or like right before, right as the classifications were going live saying like some secretive cabal got together. Like that is just not how any of this went uh, in no in I believe October or November of 2020. 22, um, the digital video working group came out with updated guidelines on that closed some of the loopholes around what in-stream actually is and sort of better highlighted what they what they deem to be in-stream. And so as the steward of the open RTP specification, we decided to update the spec to bring the signals in line with what the guidance from the the digital video working group was that whole process took i think six months um we had lean in from we had we basically spun up a subgroup of i between 20 and 50 people depending on the week over six months working on this and it was brought up to the entire programmatic supply chain anybody who joined that working group in each of those six months with comments and there was a whole slack channel so it was you know we were very open and it was a large community effort. We made sure that there were quite a few publishers in that room um, to make sure that, you know, that new adopters didn't get punished, that the, the updates were agreed upon from across the programmatic supply chain constituency. Uh, we were really, that, that was the most important thing to us. We also, when we did the release, we we did that release with implementation guidance, with actual like GIF examples of, you know, how to think about all of these updates. Uh, so, so we tried to make it, we realized that this is a big change, but we did try to do everything in our power as a community to help people understand what it meant. And that is from the sell side, but it's also an education on the buy, to the buy side that it's just because it does not qualify as in-stream, like full focus of the page reason user is there, does not mean that it's like crap inventory. There, isn't, there are an, an awful lot of shades of gray in between that. Um, and that is something that I've been working very closely with the buy side to sort of understand that this is not a light switch, it's a mixing board and, and you need to evaluate each of these things on its own merits. So we we really did put a lot of effort and time and intention into this release and education afterwards. You mentioned implementation guidelines. So for the convenience of our listeners, we've added a link in our brief. Tell me, were there any aspects of this reclassification that surprised you? I don't know that anything really took me by surprise. There was quite a lot of pushback, but... That was, we expected that to happen. We knew that this was a major change. Um, and, you know, honestly, it, it, we were excited for the challenge. And it's, 
and the conversation is ongoing. Um, but I think it's at the end of the day, I think it's for the best, right? Because I think it's important that the buy side really understand what it is that they're getting and whatever it takes to sort of break that binary that I mentioned before of like, if it's not in stream, it's crap, like is just not, it's false, simply not true. And with these new signals, my expectation is that there's going to be a reevaluation and a, and a re like dollars and cents valuing of the different kinds of inventory, because, you know, it's, I, I don't, what I've heard is roughly sub right around 10% or a little less of what used to, used to get away with calling itself in stream isn't what the buyer's understanding of that inventory was. And so now because we've closed some of the loopholes, it's, it's more clear to buyers what it is, but it's also, there's a lot less of it now. And so they're understanding the other sort of gradations within video are now, I think, more clear and more available. So we've heard from some publishers that, uh, you know, there's been uh, performance drops especially in the initial period, considering these drops, is there anything you would have done differently? Do you have any recommendations for publishers who are still working through these changes? Yeah, I, I think looking back, I, I don't know that I would do anything differently because there was such a large group and it was so widely publicized and so talked about other than just to encourage the programmatic supply chain community. If you're a Tech Lab member, get on at least get on the like mailing list for programmatic supply chain so you can keep an eye on what's happening and the discussions that are being had in there and also have a chance to weigh in but you know again we were so careful to be sure to include as wide a group as possible make sure all of the personas that would be impacted by this were included and and from multiple companies too we didn't just have like one publisher we had a few publishers, a bunch of SSPs, a, a few DSPs in, in the room, like shaking out these updates to the definitions. Um, I will say th the old attribute that was used to do this signaling has been deprecated. But all that means is that we're not going to be updating that one anymore. And we encourage everybody, sellers to start sending and buyers to start reading the new PLCMT attribute. But it's not to say you can't send the old one during this process. You absolutely still can send the old one if, if you'd like. Uh, I would say if you're going to do that, it's probably advantageous to send both values at the same time. Um, but but it's still, it, it is still available. Um, I have seen some, I have seen a few different iterations of, hey, you can use playback method as like a proxy for determining this that's not the case like what is what the definition of in-stream has multiple factors that go into it so no single other attribute or value within an attribute is a proxy it is a mixing board you have to look at multiple places and you know we can talk a bit more about this later but we know that there are additional signals we could potentially send but it's not like playback method equals in or outstream. It is, you know, outstream's never been in the open RTB specification. You have to read each definition. It's in its entirety and work with your buy side partners very closely to, to understand what they deem as in stream or one of the other classifications and, you know, make sure that any sort of video inventory that you're running is labeled correctly 
and that you know the the video experience is as good for the users of your website as possible. I realize the programmatic is quite complex and and I realize that you know it it is very tempting to look for the easy button, but I think especially when it comes to digital video and this kind of signaling um it's it's at, at the very least it's a combination of other signals but it it is not just a equals b and then therefore b equals c so a equals c it's not as simple as that in your perspective how comprehensive are these changes in addressing the current needs of the sector we know our work is not done here yet right so it is very difficult to signal intentionality of of a user meaning to go to a website to watch a video but you can absolutely make an argument if you're a publisher and there's a video tab on your website that users who've clicked on that tab mean to watch a video or if the thumbnail has a play button you can signal intentionality so there's there's that piece that's kind of fuzzier and more difficult to to signal explicitly however there are things that the group does want to pick up like whether or not the player is floating and then in in combination right with existing signals of what is the playback method um and then there are existing signals like what is the production quality that aren't contemplated in the concept of in-stream but i think if you have an in-stream video with a professionally produced piece of content that should be valued differently to a, a truly in-stream video but that is user generated right like both are in-stream they are not necessarily the same value to a buyer it just depends on what they're looking for um but but we know that there are you know and and tech lab is a consensus driven organization so if there's any kind of implementation guidance or questions i'm very lucky to be the steward of a community that is very leaned in and wants to help so questions like that are can always be asked to me directly or in slack and and again work with your your partners in the ecosystem to to understand what they're looking for so what's coming up next um i actually think the the we call it the float attribute but it's really like how does this ad unit like interact with the page so does it follow the user as they scroll down the page is is it a is it a floating ad unit so is it like a you know something that just sits yeah. in at on a specific part of the page um things of that nature my expectation is that will become that'll get pushed sometime in 24 i'm not sure when but it was it is sort of top of mind if a user navigated to a web page to watch a video that player will remain in view while the video that they intended to watch is playing so i like to cook so i get a lot of those sort of hand in pan making the recipe which again I love those, especially, you know, I would say if I navigated to a page and it was full focus of the page and like I scrolled down and I was reading the recipe and watching the video, like, again, it depends on the implementers, but like uh, that has my full focus. It's not, it's not necessarily in stream because it is like a floating, it's not the full focus of the page, but that's still highly valuable, highly performant video inventory. Keep an eye out for privacy sandbox. Because the ability to do that within like a protected audience environment, a, a privacy sandbox environment is going to be severely impacted. So for publishers that have not paid much attention to the material effects of the sandbox on their video inventory that are running that kind, I, my 
my strong encouragement is to start is to read up and sort of understand the the practical implications of that. Teaser Tech Lab is going to be coming out with some guidance around that. I think the third week of January or the last week of January. So there will be kind of a cheat sheet, but like those kinds of player environments are impacted by privacy sandbox. Vidizu was at the forefront of implementing the new classification. In your opinion, how has the broader industry conformed to these guidelines? Tech Lab's role here is, is standards and telemetry. We provide the signals, but we're not an enforcement body. So largely that would be left up to the DSPs, the verification vendors, the, the media buyers, right, to make sure that the signals that are being sent met their expectations. Um, that said, I'm actually quite happy with how how quickly the the industry has, at the very least, been moved to sending both, both of the old and new, like the placement and PLCMT attributes. Um, that's been... A fantastic shift. And I realize that it's I realize that it's a big shift. I realize that change can be painful, but also I think ultimately it's a it's a it'll be a good thing to give the buy side a lot more confidence that when they're paying much higher CPMs for in-stream, it is what they understand, like what the buy, like what the agency expectation is of in-stream. And I think for the sellers, also, right? Like even if it's not in-stream. Because inventory, because that inventory is now that piece of the pie is so much smaller, it's going to force the buy side to under to better understand and value those those gradations between and determine what's okay for their brand. And it's the worst case scenario here for me would be just because it's not in stream, it gets like a one tenth of the CPM. You know, I I I I am doing everything in my power to make sure that that does not happen. How do you see the changes on the buying side? You have to ask the buy side. Um, my understanding is that there are a few DSPs that are now reading the new PLCMT attribute. I'm not sure if they're decisioning off of that, off of solely that attribute, or if they're using the old placement and the new PLCMT in conjunction yet. I'm not, I'm not sure where they are in that process, but I, I am confident that at some point, I believe the trade desk did have a big push to get to, to use PLCMT. Yeah, like I, I don't know where sort of the buy side is exactly, but I know that it, if nothing else, it's on roadmaps. We'll be sure to catch some of those buyers and ask them, how is video going to look in 2024? The word video encompasses a lot, right? So if you're talking about CTV environments, that's going to grow, I think, retail media data is going to inform a lot of that, especially in the high value 12 foot living room television experiences. I think on digital video, the the sandbox APIs, protected audience APIs create a headwind. And so if you're publishing digital video, if you're a video player stack, um, if you have video on your site, like pay attention to sandbox because that changes things. While that's rolling out though, I think for digital video, Nobody wants to have a website that a user that that starts to load and then just has users like frantically searching for the close button. So, you know, there are best practices here. Only have one player capable one player capable of sound on your page. You know, make sure that the try to make sure that the content is at least directionally, you know, at least directionally about what the article is about. 
things of that nature. I, I think it's I think it's going to be a very interesting year for a lot of reasons. And I think digital video, online video specifically, it's still it's still got a ton of value. And I think to execute it well, I think that there will be more attention on how they're executed and whether or not sort of the users are amenable to these new environments. But I I don't think it's going away anytime soon. It's it's still very, very valuable. Human beings respond really well to moving pictures with sound. So it's not going anywhere. It's it's just in a bit of a it's just in a bit of a transition period, I think. But right. I I personally I fundamentally believe in a free and open ad supported internet. And I think digital video is a huge piece of that pie. So like I I want it to stay. I want it to be as good as it possibly can be. Hillary, thank you so much for coming in today and uh, spending time with me. Your thoughts and your input has been absolutely incredible. Thank you. We so appreciate it. And and any lean in, right? It's it's not no one here is an island and and Tech Lab is about creating a programmatic supply chain community and we're we're kind of all here for each other to make all boats rise. One thing's for sure, the attic world is never dull. It's amazing to see how everyone can come together and focus on the greater good, even if it means putting revenue on the back burner for a bit. With transparency in auctions and the farewell to third-party cookies being major themes for this year, the future is looking bright and buzzing with possibilities. If you have any questions or thoughts, please feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn. The Vidazu team and I will be more than happy to help. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Tai, and I can't wait to catch you on the next episode of PopTech in Review. Pop Tech in Review.